lot of times these sightings were on cloudy, uh, overcast, if not a little bit rainy nights. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, and the craft was really low over the city. So it was the city light that was reflecting off it, which is how people could see like the outline and the shape of it. But it also had like a super bright spotlight that that it was using basically to navigate. Yeah. Okay. Um, Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't you know, know planes that they're building. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. Weird animal-like creature that was shot. Wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm awake. I promise. <laughs> you look like you're at least you're upright. No. Oh, my circadian rhythms are fucked. Oh, yeah? That bad? Is it the heat fucking with you? Because I know we're hot over here. Man, I can't sleep when it gets fucking above 95. I've just always been a night owl. Yeah. Oh, true. My my body wants to stay up until, you know, three or four in the morning and then sleep until, like, fucking two. Oh, yeah. See, I can't. Oh, I used to be able to do it. I can. You know, every now and again, like on a Friday, Saturday, we were dragging ass like Monday because we we're up to like one. Um, we went to see uh, Gogo Bordello actually in Spokane. They actually finally came to our town after 17 years, I want to say. Um, it was cool. Got some good picks out of front row. But by the time everything was done in your home, it's like 1230. And then you got to relax and kind of wind down. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, you can't of course. come home and go to bed. Yeah. Because that's fucking, that's adultish. You don't want to do that. I've never like been that. able to do that. No, not at all. And then, of course, I had meetings like first thing in the morning. So I was like, I'd drag an ass a little bit, a little bit on Tuesday, but that's okay. So, yeah. Well, I am missing the Barbie movie to be here with you fine people. So <laughs> you um, shut the fuck up, dude. Are you serious? Are you yeah. going to go see that? I was going to. Oh, interesting. But yeah. uh, I, I thought. I thought we were going to go tomorrow. Yeah. Well, no big deal. It was today. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And I guess uh, all the news I'm hearing is like, it's a big, who's going to sell more tickets, Oppenheimer or Barbie? And I'm like, really? We're having this argument right now. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to see Oppenheimer though. It looks really, really good. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm still far behind on my shit anyway. So, yeah, I mean, there are very few movies that I give a shit about seeing in the theater these days. Yeah. Um, but like a group of my friends like to go to the Saturday or Sunday matinee. Oh, Bruce, so I right? usually see shit in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's just usually stuff that like, it's like, me, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but I got to say, Ryan yeah, Gosling, where you know, he's funny as shit. So, you know, it'd be nice to see him. You know, I, I like funny, hot, in. the whole package, you know? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, shit. Sure, true. We are in Margot Robbie. Like I said, you got to, uh, who else is in it? Uh, I mean, she's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kate McKinnon's in it too, right? Isn't she supposed oh, to I be don't some, know. yeah, I, I love don't her. Anything she's in. I really know much about the movie. Oh yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I That's like, funny. I don't know. I've actually heard a lot of really good fun things about that movie, but I, I don't know. I, you know I what? Really I teach it on. 
you know, some of the weirdest fucking things have been made into movies. So I like when I was a kid a long time ago, I loved the Popeye movie with Robin Williams. Like I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And you look back now and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And the village is still there, actually. Coming to th- It was built like in Turkey or some shit. And oh, they weird. still have the set like still built on the rocks out there. So just yeah, crazy, crazy. Does shit. anyone go? Does anyone care? No, I don't think they have festivals around Popeye and Robin Williams. Maybe eh. there's festivals. Well, for I was just thinking like, like uh, the the Shire set at, in New Zealand. Oh that yeah, yeah. Will like to go to you know, but like to. that's quite a bit different than Popeye. You know, it is for sure. Well, you know what? That might be a cool episode to cover. So I'm fascinated by stuff like that. Like I, I found the story the other day that was um, the original. Um, God, what was it? Pharaoh Egypt movie. Like it's a big. It was like made in the 1920s for silent film. But when the guy did it, he just left the set in the desert and buried it. And the set's still out there. Like 2013, they started like uncovering the statues and all that shit. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. kind of fucking cool. So you know, I don't know. I don't know. Weird yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, Spe- interesting. Speaking of weird stuff, um, I'm going to kick this off because, man, you put some uh, you put some elbow grease in this one. So Yeah, it took me 20 days to, <laughs> to write this. <laughs> um, oh, so as listeners, as you may know, and Shane, I know you know, um, I'm fascinated with technology of the early Industrial Revolution, specifically the late 19th and early 20th centuries, like that turn of the century time frame you know where we were starting to fool around with electricity and and like technology was going from like you know where it had been forever to like Mm -hmm. you know basically the industrial revolution yeah 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 um i love yeah i love that there was still a little more magic to the science and technology that people were coming out with at the time um not unlike today there were new technologies inventions and advancements uh pretty much all the time um, unlike today, however, everything seemed new and open and it seemed like there were no limits. They hadn't run into, they hadn't found the limits yet. So everything right, was possible. Right. If that makes gotcha, sense. Gotcha. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, and again, this is largely due to uh, how relatively slow the advancement of technology had been in the centuries leading up to this, right? Like we went from uh, basically real horsepower and like, uh, like water driven right. mills and stuff to the combustion engine, to the telephone in like a couple of decades. I, I mean, you know, yeah, like almost like it seems like overnight weird from what we were yeah, before. Yeah, we, we, went, leap, we went from yeah. horse-drawn carriages to landing on the moon in uh, less than a century. Yeah, and that's put crazy. it in perspective, Dude, right? You, and that's, oh, yeah, insane. Um, yeah, so, so at the turn of the century where we hadn't learned any of the like limits, you know, where physics was still aside from like fulcrums and and levers and stuff, physics Mm -hmm. was largely still theoretical. Right. You know what I mean? So um, it's, it's, I think that there's just a lot of magic in the technology then. Um, And we still are making advancements at relatively the same pace. Um, We we aren't really slowing down. It's just that now we know kind of where the, where the walls are. Yeah. You know? yep. so we got some boundaries painted utilitarian. Right. Right. right, right. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, in a weird way, that's kind of crappy because it, like it takes away that little bit of that mysticism a bit, you know? Yeah. Like but. for all his flaws, Frankenstein's shit was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, exactly. Exactly. I love shit like that. 
Yeah. So, you know, it was an age of eccentric inventors like Edison and Tesla. It was also an age of intrigue with famous patent thefts like Marconi stealing the radio from Tesla. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was an era of first electrifications of cities, advancements in telecommunications from the telegraph to the telephone and the radio and flight. Um, like most emerging technologies, there were many attempts at flying machines around the turn of the century culminating with the Wright brothers' first flight at Kitty Hawk in 1903. Uh, there were many different machines attempted as well, not just airplanes, but also airships and experiments with lighter-than-air flight, or LTA. And that's what we're here to discuss today. In late 1896, there was a wave of unexplained airship sightings over California that moved through the Midwest, following along the transcontinental railroad and telegraph lines until it ended abruptly over Ohio in the spring of 1897. Hmm. No one ever took credit for the mysterious machines that vanished as quickly as they arrived. But as always, there's more to the story. So we're going to go ahead and open them gates. Nice, nice. Um, so uh, for background, there were many novels in the late 19th century and in the budding genre of science fiction that spoke of airships and their secretive inventors some years before the airship wave of 1896. Some of the more popular among American audience were the stories of Frank Reed by Lewis Centeran and Jules Verne's Robur the Conqueror, as well as many airship stories by Robert Duncan Milne that were serialized in San Francisco newspapers in the 1890s. With the recent invention of the telephone and automobile, air travel seemed right around the corner and the public was ready for it. And many of them were about to get a peek at it. Uh, in the late winter and early spring of 1896, uh, and 97, thousands of people from all over the country were about to claim to witness an airship that seemed to exhibit speed and maneuverability that was well ahead of the technology of the time. I say technology of the time because people had been experimenting, like I said, with lighter than air flight already. Um, so it wasn't quite unexpected, but it wasn't quite expected. Right. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Anyway, uh, they had been experimenting with this, um, and, it, and it had been around in the zeitgeist and science fiction mm -hmm. and everything for quite some time by the turn of the century. Well, and I think yeah, a lot of that, too, you know, uh, just that, again, the Industrial Revolution, turn of the century, you know, what, the 50s were into the monsters and aliens and UFOs, and obviously their early, you know, the very turn of the century was airships and aliens, and just, it's just crazy how they stick and, you know, maybe blur the line between science fiction and fact a bit, but... You know, anyway, no, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, so the first hot air balloon or aerostatic flight had been carried out by the Montgolfier brothers at Versailles a uh, hundred years prior in 1783, which is crazy in its own self, honestly. Uh, and people yeah. have been experimenting with lighter than air flight ever since. In fact, the Zeppelin was right around the corner and would start taking flight about 10 years after the peculiar sightings. So the airship that people were seeing over the U.S. at the close of the 19th century was not simply generally out of this world, so to speak, but rather something that would almost have to be expected. So we'll get a little bit more into the bit, but um, when we talk about the skeptical viewpoint on this, as well as implausible technological explanations, and yes, aliens, of course, we mentioned it, always got to have aliens in there. Um, but for now, let's talk about the sightings themselves and move of course. from there. So. Um, so the first sighting came November 17th over Sacramento, California. 
and was recounted in the Sacramento Bee and the San Francisco Call the next day. Uh, Witnesses recounted seeing a light moving over Sacramento at an estimated 1,000 feet elevation. One witness named R.L. Lurie said he heard a voice issuing commands to the raised elevation uh, to avoid the tower of a nearby church. Uh, This may have been a wink to the readers as the only tower in the town uh, actually belonged to a local brewery, not a church. So, just saying. Uh, He also said the craft was powered by two men on bicycles suspended below a passenger car. Uh, some witnesses said singing could be heard coming from the craft. So there's that. Oh, yeah, it um, sounds like they might have been on a boost cruise. Right. Uh, they, when I read that story, it just made me think of those like little pedal-powered trolley car beer things that people yeah, ride yeah. around cities in the summer. <laughs> we got one here in Spokane. It's a riot. Watching people halfway in the bag trying to fucking steer it. It's hilarious. <laughs> Right. Um, So in the November 19th edition of the Daily Mail, uh, not that Daily Mail, um, the other one, apparently, uh, a Stockton resident, Colonel H.G. Shaw, said that he had come across a landed spaceship while driving his buggy. He described the craft as metallic and featureless other than a rudder and pointed ends. Hmm. He estimated the diameter to be about 25 feet and the length to be around 150 feet from tip to tip. (laughs) Uh, I expect this description to resonate with UFO and Zeppelin enthusiasts alike. We're alike. We're talking about cigar shaped aircraft yep, here. Yep. Um, the Colonel had more to add to his strange encounter as well. Three slender seven foot tall beings approached him emitting a strange warbling noise. Hmm. Uh, the beings examined his buggy before trying to force him aboard the craft. Allegedly Shaw was more than a match for these Rudy Gobert like interplanetary ruffians. <laughs> and they gave up when they realized they lacked the physical strength to force the rugged Colonel aboard their ship. Interesting. Uh, having tasted failure, the <laughs> right. I mean, there's going to be tall. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. No kidding. Three of them. <laughs> this dude, I like the Rudy Gobert. This dude, Jean-Claude Van Damme or something. Yeah, Jean-Claude yeah, yeah. Van uh, Colonel Shaw or whatever. Uh. Um, anyway, Having tasted failure, the beings fled back aboard their ship, which lifted skyward and sped out of sight. Hmm. Shaw believed they were Martians, not centers for the NBA, and that they were sent to kidnap Earthlings for unknown but decidedly nefarious purposes. Because why not? Oh, yeah. Right. Um, As one does. Interestingly... Right. Uh, Interestingly, this has been seen by some as an early attempt at alien abduction and is the first modern published account of explicitly extraterrestrial beings trying to force humans onto their craft. That's so interesting, interesting that, that we get the, yeah. right. Like the beginnings of the whole abduction phenomenon right around the turn of the century. Right. Yeah. That's a, that, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Weird, uh, weird period of time for sure. So, wow. yeah, I wish it would have said why he decided they were Martians. Yeah. That's like, that's interesting. Weird, tall people, yeah, I guess, because yeah. they were weird, tall people. Maybe. But, uh, I don't, yeah. That is what it is. Well, anyway, so the mystery light was seen again over Sacramento on the night of November 21st, 1896. It was also seen over San Francisco, uh, where it chased the seals off the rocks near the Cliff House, a popular tourist spot in the city. So, you know, pissing off the seals, too. Um, that night, it was also seen over Oakland, Modesto, Manteca, and Sebastopol, among other cities. Uh, this is pretty interesting, considering that those distances would have been tough to cover at that time, at the time. And actually, unlike today, you know, Urban Sprawl really hadn't centered, right? I mean, things are still pretty spread out for the most part. So a quick little side note on all this. Uh, there were sightings reported as far north as Seattle and as far south as San Diego. 
Uh, if this actually was the same craft, it would indicate the vehicle was capable of speeds that were mind-boggling at the time. Which, yeah, yeah I mean, that's a lot of ground to cover. In, even now, that's like uh, a, probably a four or five-hour flight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking Santa from, Claus t- speed here, right? To yeah, to from Seattle to San Diego. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. from here to Seattle, it's like two hours. From here to LA, it's like mm-hmm. two hours. So, yeah, yeah. But all I in one night, straight I mean, Jesus. I mean, like three or four hours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy. So whatever it was. But I mean, that's making... going 600 miles an hour, not like 30 miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. You know? Pedaling a bicycle. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I realized I had cut out while I was uh, revising this too was um, one of the commonalities with all of these sightings that we're going to be detailing here is that it's a cigar-shaped craft for the most part. There were... so. We'll get into more of the details okay. in a minute, but like one of the main things that most of the sightings had in common was a really bright spotlight. Um, oh, okay. Gotcha. So when it's when the mystery light that was seen over these cities, it was uh, a lot of times these sightings were on cloudy, uh, overcast, if not a little bit rainy nights. Mm-hmm. And um, so and the craft was really low over the city. So it was the city light that was reflecting off it, which is how people could see like the outline and the shape of it. But it also had like a super bright spotlight that, gotcha. was, that it was using basically to navigate. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. So uh, just a little context there. Hmm. Um, the airship sightings in California died down during the holidays, but picked up again in January of 1897 on the other side of the Rockies and would last until May. Uh, the great air in, sorry, this is from a book, the great airship of 1897 by J Allen Danilek. Um, and quote overnight, it seems the craft had leapfrogged a good third of the country, somehow managing to reappear in the cold night skies around Hastings, Nebraska on February 2nd, 1897, Hmm. nearly 1000 miles from the earlier sightings. A few days later, it was spotted again, this time some 40 miles further South near the town of Invale on uh, sorry, and on the evening of February 16th, it was supposedly sighted over Omaha. The mysterious Sacramento visitor was back and further seemed to be making its way in a sort of leisurely zigzagging, zigzagging pattern as it moved slowly eastward toward western Iowa. Hmm. How it had gotten from California to Nebraska, or whether it was the same vessel at all, was unknown, of course. But regardless of how it had gotten there, within days, stories of the strange craft began flowing in from all over the Midwest. Like a raging prairie fire, it went. Uh, it wasn't long before the vessel began turning up in newspaper reports as far south as Texas and as far north as Minnesota, demonstrating oh, once again the power of the remarkable vehicles seemed to possess over the popular imagination. God damn, that's quote. a lot of again a lot of ground. So just to confirm on this, so that when you talk about these sightings, you're still saying it's a cigar shape, bright light, like it may be a different vessel, but it's still described the same. Right. So. Okay. Um, okay. There are a bunch of different theories, um, and I think by the end of it, you'll see which one I lean towards, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't want to spoil it yet. <laughs> kind of um, so there were, and we'll, this will probably come up again as we're going through this, but there were estimated over 100,000 reported sightings. Holy shit. Um, yeah. That's, that's a bit. So, yeah. so there, were, there were common themes, but of course, with that many sightings, you're going to get like wildly varied reports, right? Oh, of course. Um, you know, so, so to say it's for sure the same craft, you can't, mm-hmm. um, but also you can't say that all of the reports were legit either. Right. Right. It's like saying um, it's the we'll same thing that a little bit more. Right. Too. Yeah. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but for the most part and especially the more credible sightings, they all mm-hmm. seemed to be 
pretty similar. They, they matched up. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. So on April 11th, the airship made its long-anticipated arrival over Chicago, which is significant as it was one of the few daylight mass sightings reported. Uh, it appeared over the western suburbs of the city shortly after dawn that morning, and according to the Chicago Herald, uh, an M.R. Walter McCann snatched his son's newly acquired box camera from his hands to take a picture. Obviously, camera tech was still pretty rudimentary back at the, them days, and the picture turned out pretty poor. Uh, so the paper had the artist draw his impression of the image, which ran along with the count in the paper. Um, this was a case with most of the pictures that accompanied these accounts, as exposure still required a lot of light and time and a steady hand to turn out. But the fact that M.R. McCann was willing to go on record about taking the picture does lend some veracity to the claim, which, yeah, okay, so he still sticks behind why he did it and what he saw. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, on April 15th, the Kalamazoo, Michigan paper reported a sighting with an ominous tone stating that the craft had been observed to have exploded and crashed nearby with the sound of heavy ordnance followed by the sound of projectiles whizzing through the air. This marked a decline in reporting sightings until early May when uh, they pretty much stopped altogether. So, wow. Okay. So we got a flap. Now it's done. So, yeah, it, mm. it's, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of like two flaps that kind of to Co- coincide one. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but like uh yeah because you have the california flap and then that, that dies off for really just a few weeks honestly i don't think it's even a full month maybe i i can't remember if there were any in december but if right right if it was a full month it was like basically from thanksgiving to new year's okay. where there weren't any sightings mm-hmm. and it picked up again on the other side of the rockies and when we get to the end of this like i'll ex- i'll go over what the dude that wrote the book i just quoted from what okay. his theory on it is which I think is really compelling. Um, All right. But we'll, we'll okay. get to that a little bit later, but keep that in mind that it's like, it's all one flap, but it's also, there's a lot of like, like there always is with this kind of shit. There's yep. a lot of like yep. side stuff. Right. Yep. So like the, uh, the famous Aurora, Texas airship crash oh, is yeah, right yeah. around this time and gets okay. kind of wrapped up into this. And in fact, it's really interesting because in this book where this dude is like really, really, really doing the hard sell on his theory that there's like a real explanation behind this. He also debunks the shit out of the Aurora crash <laughs> at the same time, which is hilarious. Funny. Uh, like according to him and basic, according to him, according to everyone who lived there, uh, it was basically a PR stunt that just got legs of its own. Oh, <laughs> um, nice. Okay. No. So, so it, 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 but that's like, always how it is when you're talking about this shit, right? Is like, doesn't matter what it is. Well, and that's what makes it interesting like, though, because it's so funny because everybody has their hands with the cook- in the proverbial cookie jar. Right. So yeah, everyone yeah, picks yeah. their own, their own pet theory. And then like, yeah, uses things that they would probably use to justify their own theory in the opposite way to debunk. Like yeah, right. it's, right. it's funny. We'll right. cover that a little bit later. Okay. But, um, <laughs> so as with the 96 wave, there was, was a lot of variation in the craft's reported appearance, uh, which is to be expected with over 100,000 reported sightings. Again, um, the appearance ran the spectrum from conventional shapes and sizes that would align with a dirigible to having fins and flapping wings. One farmer said it was cigar shaped about 200 feet long by 50 feet wide and narrowed to points on each end. Another witness claimed it had flapping wings and bird-like rudders. Some even claimed to have met the crew, uh, who most said they were human and happy to talk about their craft, while a few claimed to have gotten a tour, even. 
Wow. Um, wow. Okay. In a sighting reported in the Albion Daily News, uh, two witnesses claimed the aircraft crashed within inches of where they were standing. The ship disappeared and in its place stood a man. The airship pilot then showed the two witnesses a device that allowed him to shrink the ship small enough to be stored in his pocket. So he must have had some chin Jesus particles. Christ, yeah. like <laughs> buddies of Ant-Man all over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, And then on April 10th, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch published an account from a W.H. Hopkins who said he encountered a 20-foot by 8-foot ship on the ground near the outskirts of Springfield, Missouri. The ship had three large propellers, but the most interesting part was the crew, a beautiful naked woman and a bearded man also nude. Hubba hubba. (laughs) Um, Hopkins attempted to communicate with the crew to ascertain their origins. Uh Sure, Uh sure, sure, sure. Eventually, they understood what he was driving at and gestured to the sky, uh, uttering something that sounded like Mars. Um, I guess Martians were the first horny Venusians. Yeah, evidently. Um, like a beautiful name. I'm sure he was it. trying to ask them where they were from and not um, seeing if they fancied a, you know, little, yeah. little, uh, little, little party time. My eyes are up here. God damn it. All right, so on April 16th, story in the Table Rock Argus retold the claims of an anonymous but reliable group of witnesses that had seen an airship cruising overhead. The ship had many passengers, including a woman tied to a chair with a woman attending her and a man with a pistol guarding the prisoner. Holy shit, something's going down there. Yeah. Um, God damn. Of course, the ship has uh, was gone before the witnesses could fetch the authorities. Of course it was. Um, the Yates sure. Center <laughs> Farmer's Advocate published an account from Alexander Hamilton of Leroy, Kansas, that allegedly took place on April 19th. Hamilton, a tenant, and his son saw the ship hovering over a cattle pen when they noticed it had lassoed a heifer with a red cable. What the fuck? Oh, okay. This oh, is, yeah. This is, this is fun. Okay, this is fun. Um, the cable had been entangled in the fence, and after a failed attempt to free the cow, Hamilton cut the fence, and he and his companions watched as the ship carried the cow and all the way into the night sky. You know, you don't see that every day. Like, you know, you no, just don't see that don't. every day. That, that's that's not, not, a common, not a common thing. Um, this particular report is interesting for two reasons. So, one, it is completely false. Hampton later took an affidavit swearing that he made it up to win a contest in the local Liars Club, Jesus. And two, because we have seen this exact scenario reported in modern UFO sightings around the beginning of the cattle mutilation phenomenon. Um, is this a phenomenon mimicking what we say about it, as recent reports indicate happens quite frequently? Were these uh, sightings fake as well, or was it just coincidence? That's a good point, because, I mean, that's, yeah, it leaps right in there with why they have a hard-on for cows. I don't know, but whatever. Well, and it's just you know? interesting that even though this dude claims to have made all this shit up, mm-hmm. like, there were a few as legit as you can get sightings, like, right, around right. the 50s or 60s, I think. Mm-hmm. It might have been more like the 60s or 70s. Uh, where some dudes were out in the field and they swore that they saw like a UFO come down and like try to pick a cow up and fly away with it. You know what I mean? I've I've heard several stories from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally like a transporter. Like that's, that's actually, there were more than one sighting like that. Right. 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 So it's just weird that this Mm. dude, you know, even though he's a liar, he said he made it up. Yeah. 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 But then it actually happens later. Like, Uh, I don't know. It's just super weird. We'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, so Hmm. now we're going to get into like the possible explanations, like the, the, basically the three kind of main 
mm-hmm. what could it have actually been, right? Because it was definitely something, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do you think's going on here, Shane? Do you think it was <sighs> hoaxing and yellow journalism to sell papers, mass hysteria, both maybe? You know, uh, could it have been sexy Martians and proto UFOs? <laughs> I go, I go or, with the no. <laughs> or is it the phenomenon giving humanity something that they would understand but would also know didn't belong? Hmm. Uh, uh, what do you think before you, we you go know, ahead? What's, honestly, like, what, so, what horse are you picking? So, I, you know, I'm not sure yet. I, I'll be honest. The only thing that gets me, so, okay, I don't think there's two. I think that there was one. It took a break over the holidays, which, you know, I mean, it's a holidays, right? Whoever sure. built the ship probably has a family. Da, Christmas da, da, da. for horny Venusians, yeah, too. Yeah, right? exactly, right? Everything kicks back up. But what gets me is just the ground that it's covering and the people that are reporting. Again, I know how mass hysteria works, and I think we might talk a little bit about it. But you yeah. know, when you have reports that far, you know, two-thirds of the country, and they're reporting the same thing, seeing the same thing, I mean, whatever this thing is, holy shit, it's got it's got legs, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I think there's some credits for it. I really do. You know, I don't think it was. Now, was it aliens or Martians? Oh, I don't know. If if they're naked women right. and bearded men floating around up there, and they're from Saturn, I so be it. I I don't know. I think I'm out on that one. So. Well, it could have been a third secret thing. Oh, uh, we could don't have like been. third things yeah. in this country. Um, it could have been man-made technology uh maybe one of those eccentric inventors uh was a decade or two ahead of technological curve Mm -hmm. maybe yep yep Yep. because again uh right around the corner from actual airships right Mm -hmm. like this is 10 20 years before right right the actual zeppelin right yeah um so uh let's see let's look at each possibility hoaxing yellow journalism slash mass hysteria uh ufos and sexy martians or the possibility that we're just seeing human innovation. Right. Um, right. So hoaxing and mass hysteria uh, was the whole thing just made up. Many skeptics point out that sometimes loose, prof- uh, they point out, and I point this out a lot to you, the sometimes loose professional standards of journalism at the time. Um, I've said myself many times on this show that uh, you have to take accounts of high strangeness in papers from the era with a grain of salt. Yep. Uh, yep. They were known occasion- to occasionally publish tall tales as really stories to try and sell papers and just, I don't know. Sensationalism. Boredom, I mean, I really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, you know, especially in that time frame, you know, industrial revolution, there's so many things happening. Um, you know, what's going to get that? What's going to get your attention? Right. Yeah. Uh, a exactly, huge exploited right? story. So, you know. So even William Randolph Hearst weighed in on the topic, lashing out at the fake journalism <laughs> fake oh. news, uh, <laughs> that led to the airship stories in December 1896 editorial. Uh, so this is his a hmm. quote from from his editorial fake journalism has a good deal to answer for, but we do not recall a more discernible exploit in that line than the persistent attempt to make the public believe that the air in this vicinity is populated with airships. It has been manifest for weeks that the whole airship story is pure myth and quote. Hmm. Um, if anyone knows about the power of a media to influence public thought, it would be this guy. Uh, sure. Historians say yeah. that he used his newspaper in to pretty much single-handedly fan patriotic and nationalistic flames to a fever pitch, which drove the U.S. into the Spanish-American War in 1898, um, which is also kind of yeah. some shit that happened around the turn of another century, if you want to think about uh, 2003 uh, yep. and Iraq. Yep. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, also, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane was largely based on Hearst. See, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And he, I mean, and for sure, I mean, 
the guy had the power, right? So whatever he says, yeah, goes, he owned I'm sure. It, there yeah. was him and like I, another dumb pop culture reference. Uh, the movie New- Newsies is kind of like the oh, rivalry yeah, yeah, between yeah. Hearst and the other publishing magnate uh, uh, through the eyes of the yeah. kids selling newspapers on the street. Yeah. But um, huh. yeah, there were like two dudes who basically owned everything that wasn't a small independent local paper. Yeah, and I cannot remember the other one. And they drove a lot of the small guys out. Really, I mean, and I, God, I wish. Yeah, I or just that guy bought was. their papers and kind of the way Sinclair Media owns most of the local. Mm-hmm. Uh, local broadcast channels in the u.s now oh yeah well there's that um yeah interesting so we'll move on with this so david michael jacobs uh, observed that most arguments against the airship idea came from individuals who assumed that the witnesses did not see what they claimed to see uh however jacobs believes that many airship tales originated with enterprising reporters perpetrating journalistic hoaxes uh, he notes that many of these accounts are easy to identify because of their tongue-in-cheek tone and focus on the sensational, which, you know, we, you know that's what we're talking about, right? Um, furthermore, in many such newspaper hoaxes, the author makes his intent obvious by saying in the last line that he was writing from an insane asylum or something to whatever that effect is. Um, interestingly, this tone is adopted by many media outlets when covering UFO or strange stories today, like it impugns their journalistic integrity to even talk about it. And that's 100% right, too, because it even yeah. goes on today, how many centuries later, you know? Like... Uh, it's like so it in around the turn of the century usually if it was a real fake like for sure fake story that mm-hmm. they were planting to just right right plant you know, a seed and yep yep laughs and sell papers and whatnot mm-hmm. um they would tip the hat like that like say uh, and i'm writing from the insane asylum because i've gone crazy <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of basically like, a, like yeah, april yeah. fools or yeah. you know psych or whatever right um but that tone of like this fucking not worth my time is how it's been approached by the media pretty much ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and you're right. And it really hasn't changed. It seems like that's been the pattern, right? So um, some skeptics uh, would also say that these tall tales published in the media drove excitement such that people were misidentifying ordinary astronomical phenomenon or the classic. It was just Venus. That's many, which uh, maybe, you know, I can see some of that. Um, this leads into the mass hysteria and misidentification explanation, uh, which would be understandable if it were a more localized event. But to me or us here, um, yeah. asking us to believe that it was all excited people misidentifying Venus or shooting star for an airship on cloudy nights across two-thirds of the country, like I was saying earlier, it's just as ridiculous as asking us if you believe the sky was full of airships. I mean... And I get that point 100%. I mean, that, that yeah. is. I mean, that's a lot of people to go mass hysteria prone. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know if well, I'm on and, that wagon. So, yeah. It, it, we'll, we'll get a little more into that too. But it's just, to me, it's like saying it's all made up is just as silly as saying it's all real. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to like, have a little bit of both obviously somewhere. Obviously, it's not. Yeah. 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 Obviously it's not all real, but obviously it's not all made up. Like well, there are too many regular ass motherfuckers who are like, what? The yeah. And on top of that, and, and, and we've said this I mean. before on the podcast, but it, even in this whole fringe science that, you know, that we do this podcast about, you know, take for example, uh, legends, you know, from, from thousands of years ago, you know, you have uh, continents literally that d- have not talked to one another. There's no migration. There's no, they're stuck on their own bubble, but they describe the exact same type Bigfoot as they do a Yeti or a, you know, yeah, some of that's probably bullshit, 
But at the same time, they're, you know, they're saying the exact same thing. They're seeing the exact same thing. There's no connection between the two. And, you know, there, there's got to be something in foundation with that person. I mean, but, you know. and I might end up repeating myself here, but uh, you do bring up an interesting point with the communication. So what a lot of skeptics would point out about this is that uh, the stories migrating west follow the telegram graph lines right right okay um and so their their explanation is that uh reporters in the next town over see these bullshit stories and are like ha ha i'm gonna make 15 bucks and write their own bullshit story the next day or whatever right Right. and that's why it it, it's going that way is it's following the telegraph lines Mm -hmm. but and this is a point that uh we should be getting to later if i didn't accidentally edit it out um the telegraph lines also followed the rail line um, oh yeah okay so Good there's point. a very plausible reason why this if if there was a real craft why it would still behave that same way as following like the uh why the the sightings would follow the yeah, telegraph yeah. and yeah. rail lines transportation right? lines right yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah. so uh so while i was researching this story i read an 11 page debunking of the entire affair published <laughs> in skeptical inquirer in 1990 i don't know if you've ever read the skeptical inquirer have, no, i've heard of it but i haven't Dude, it is such a fucking pain in the ass. Like, it's where fun goes to die. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I remember at the Barnes & Noble in Sugar House in, like, probably 2001 or, like, 1997 or something like that, like, looking for dumb UFO shit, and I found a copy of the Skeptical Inquirer there, and I, like, thumbed through it, and I was like, this is fucking boring. All they do is, like, refuse to admit that any of this shit is possible whatsoever, period. Uh, always yeah like the most closed-minded skeptics it's so fucking funny um anyway the guy who wrote this article robert bartholomew was so skeptical that pretty much the only explanation he would give credence to was hoaxing misidentification mass hysteria basically like nobody saw anything real um he claimed that the technology was not there from a human perspective never mind that people had been working on building airships at the time mm-hmm. and again we'll get into more detail on that here in a, in a little bit um and uh mis- misidentification of common astrological phenomenon is a tough sell when you stop to consider that there was almost no light pollution outside of large cities at the time um with electrification being a rather new thing most people would have been pretty familiar with the normal lights in the night sky at the time oh that's a good point yeah you yeah, know yeah. so okay. to like have these people that are out yeah it's, away it's, from it's, the city at night right they know what the fuck venus is yeah they know where the fuck venus is supposed to be right right hmm. and good point and also it's a light that's moving and not moving the way a shooting star would it's like sustained mm-hmm. it's moving for a long time in what appears to be controlled flight, right? Like it's not right. a shooting star zipping through the sky. It's not, it's not like there upwards were no elevation. It's so not, it's, yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. Huh. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So, so to me to say that they're just seeing lights in the sky, or it's fucking swamp gas, like eat a fucking dick. Like yeah. that might work today because none of us have seen the stars ever. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> think we like, will ever again back then. So yeah, back then, like, you know, even in the cities, you'd still see a lot more of the night sky than you see today because like electrification was in its infancy. And before that you had like gas lamps, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like, you'd yeah. still see a lot of stars yeah. even in the mm. cities. So anyway, um, of course, some stories were obviously made up by the witnesses, like the dude from the liars club and uh, <laughs> uh, 
some from newspapers, although the majority of the sightings were treated the way real news stories would be treated with front page coverage and follow up stories. Um, while their jokes stories were usually obviously goofs and treated as such, not given front page placement, not continued attention. Like they didn't write a follow up story on the fake shit that they wrote because right, right, it was right. for fun. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so uh, there, <laughs> there were also some intrepid reporters at the time that sent small balloons up to see uh, if it would set off a rash of airship stories and reports, which it predictably it did, you know, um, so they put a little, put a little hot air balloon up seeing if anyone would come to him being like, I saw something. Yeah. 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 And see, I told you, of course they did because yeah. they put something up there that people fucking saw. Right. Jesus. Um, and to me, this just confirms that, uh, the sheer like this combined with the sheer number of reported sightings and the wide geographical distance to me that just confirms that there was something mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like the, it, it wasn't just mass hysteria it wasn't just wish fulfillment it wasn't just uh in the air right yeah, yeah, like there yeah. was people were seeing i mean obviously there's some of that right? in the pot here but you can't you can't just whitewash it away you know there's more facts yeah. to this yeah we okay so even if only what would we say an estimated hundred thousand reports? Because a lot of them were uh, seen by yeah. a lot of people. Right. right, right so right. I think that's part of how the number is so big is it was over cities and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people would see the at, same sign and report it. Right. 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 Um, but even dude, even if 1% of those is legit, that's a thousand fucking sightings. Yeah. If my math is right. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, let's get in that. Right. So we're speaking of mass hysteria. Um, can you think of any other documented cases that, that were this widespread? You know, what comes to mind for us would be things like, the, which is a good point, the Salem Witch Trials. Very good with that. Or the witch hunts in the Middle Ages in general. You know, those cases of hysteria was driven by ulterior motives, uh, usually involving petty grievances or envy and jealousy, which, you know, we, we all know those stories. You know, the church used to consolidate power, which they absolutely did and they absolutely do still. And on the local level, it was usually a case of revenge or property acquisition. Um, you pissed off the wrong neighbor, you want their land, you know, you're a witch. That's how that shit works, right? Um, people were also a lot more superstitious at the time than they were a few hundred years later and at the turn of the century. So I guess you could toss things kind of like QAnon and modern conspiracy theories into the mass hysteria bag, which I think you absolutely can, especially QAnon. I, I, how that fucking thing gets legs, I... Yeah, I mean, those people me. believe it. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, they believe it. Oh, it, it's insane. It's insane. Um, but again, you know... You know, there there are real trafficking rings that are you yeah, know, I know ran There's or participated in by elite the money to lead. They're the just same not thing. the money to lead the QAnon people yeah, think. Yeah. They well, are. I mean we'll look at Bohemian Grove, which we covered kind of the you know, I mean, like I said, I, not everything is clear and concise. That that's really our point on a lot of the stuff. Yeah. So um but, you know, it's not quite the same as a bunch of random, ostensibly normal people saying that they were seeing something in the sky. Uh, what's more probable, 100,000 people lying and hallucinating, or at least some of them seeing something that was actually there? Um, yeah, a little bit of both, I think. So Yeah. Um, so let's take a quick break. A quick break, and we will be back. Stand by, everybody. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality 
at 801 252 6945. Open the gates. And we're back. All right, so let's get into another possible explanation for this wave of sightings of some mysterious airship around the turn of the 20th century. Um, Another possible explanation for the sightings is that the source could have been UFOs. Yes, those UFOs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alien flying machines, interstellar craft making a spectacle of themselves for the befuddlement of the turn of the century middle America. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's talk about why this hypothesis is pretty quickly dismissed by skeptics and whether or not we think that is fair. Spoiler, we probably don't. Um, <laughs> right. Bartholomew, uh, the guy that uh, from the skeptical oh, yeah, inquirer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, most of the... Uh, I, I had to read that whole fucking article and like it aggravated me so bad and we'll get into it. Dude, I, I, I tell you what, yeah. And I would, we've got another write up that we got ready for you guys. And, and I, same thing going down the rabbit hole of some of the theories behind it, it. It's like, it makes your brain hurt. Like it's tough. It's, it's a tough thing to swallow. I, I, I would you, actually so. like to see this guy's take on that shit. Oh my <laughs> that God. That would be pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, so <laughs> Anyway, uh, Bartholomew basically says that because when witnesses claim to have met the crews of these airships, they were either regular looking people who said they were going to revolutionize travel or regular looking people who claim to be from Mars and not little green or gray <laughs> men, uh, then it must have been hysterical wish fulfillment. Like too much Jules Verne. That's it. Right. Exactly. That's, that's the Chalk only Chalk it up. And, right? and he's not. Yeah. Which, by the way, man, I love Jules Verne reading his stories when I was a kid. Oh. Oh, dude, uh, what was it? You know, uh, Journey 10, to the Earth, Under the Sea. 10,000 Leagues. Like, that stuff just, just, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, well, so this falls into what we like to think of as a skeptical paradox. So, Bartholomew is using modern UFO sightings, which he would probably also debunk, which he probably would, to debunk old reports that could be actual UFO sightings. So, yeah, you just kind of make that shit go away because you're closed-minded and, you know, right? Eyes over the ears, eyes yeah. over the eye, hands over the eyes, all that shit. Um, Will, willing to uh, admit there might be ghosts or Bigfoot if it helps me say that UFOs are fake. Right, exactly. Fucking, everybody has an agenda, right? Um, this yeah. is interesting because a skeptic is willing to give credence to something they normally wouldn't to disprove the current target of their skepticism. Um, it's really interesting because this also happens to believers, and that absolutely is true. Uh, that's another whole fucking thing, cults. And, yeah. Uh, Jesus. Um, so it's fascinating to watch people, a group of events in this all-or-nothing binary category. Uh, this can even be seen in the UFO community when you get into the nuts and bolts versus anything else debate. Or how many different types of ETs there are. Or is a Sasquatch flesh-and-blood animal or a trans-dimensional being that can flit in and out of our reality at will. Like it, 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 The list goes on and on. But yeah, it's very, very good point made. You know? Yeah, you can't, it can't it, there's no possible way it could be both or all. Right. It's got to be one or the other. Right, right. It's like black and white, right? Lines drawn in the sand. There's no, you know, askew anywhere. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, I think it's really wild to look at all the lore and credible research that has been done and think that there could be one single solitary explanation for all of this. Uh, like, to me, it's just as likely that there are many different interstellar civilizations coming through, stopping by, saying hi, as it is that just 100,000 people over two-thirds of the country having hysterical hallucinations fueled by thousands of hoax stories and papers across the country. Like right. Occam's razor can be a bitch. If you 
turn the impossible filter up to a hundred. You know what I mean? Like oh, if yeah, you say, sure. well, UFOs are impossible. So the only plausible explanation is that everybody's crazy. Right. Exactly. Like, and you're going to call that many people fucking batshit insane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that's all. I digress. You know, God that's, damn. anyway. Yeah. So another UFO related possibility that skeptics tend to ignore is the trickster aspect of the phenomenon. And, oh, I'm glad you brought this up. Well, keeping up on the Grush uh, whistleblower discourse currently running through UFO Twitter, which we, most, if you listen to this podcast and you haven't heard of Grush and what he's doing, um, pay attention because it's fuck it's it's a mess. Um, we notice an interesting antidote. One person claimed that somewhere in all of this is a source said that while the Black Triangle craft have been confirmed to be U.S. in origin, they have been recorded behaving in manners that would have U.S. military pilots flying at desk for the rest of their careers, and there's no shit about that. The extremely low sightings, followed by the craft zipping away at low altitudes and extreme speeds over civilian areas, is not a maneuver typically allowed without some pretty severe consequences. So that's a very good point. If they're saying it's U.S. made, it's U.S. origin, but there's still processes and protocols at play, right? Right. No matter what you're like, behind. Typically, typically, you're not allowed to fly at treetop heights <laughs> at great speeds. Yes, that's over civilian areas. Kind of a no no during peacetime. Typically, yeah, yeah, yeah typically. Uh, or shooting down uh, uh, spy balloons over like a, a major lake and missing it the first time, and then you know, like things <laughs> right. that happen, right? So. Yeah, God. and of course, as soon as I was done writing this, I watched the newest episode of The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, <laughs> where two Chinook helicopters uh, take a couple of very low passes over the ranch. Like, they're, like, maybe 200 feet in the air. A buzz bombing them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I guess if you're ordered into a flight pattern, you might not get grounded for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ridiculous. Um, so, the person who pointed all of this out uh, connected it to the way the phenomenon acknowledges when it's being observed, which, you know, we've all heard that, right? Like. Mm-hmm. If you look at it long enough, it looks back kind of a situation. Right. right. Um, the person suggested that these sightings of black triangles, not of the airship mm-hmm. in 1897, um, but that these black uh, triangle sightings were the phenomenon winking at us by mimicking secret military aircraft that we kind of know about and behaving in ways they wouldn't or couldn't. Um, I found this very interesting because I come acro- came across it right after, right around the time I was reading the accounts of the 96 airship mm. uh, kind of behaving in a similar fashion, right? Like, like uh, how the dude said it just lifted up and sped off into the sky. Right. Um, so uh, could the airship being similar to known tech, but a few years more advanced been the phenomenon winking at us. Um, also the trickster element of the phenomenon is one of my favorite parts of it. Um, while Bartholomew was staunch in his belief that okay. since none of the airship experiments on record at the time of the flap or outbreak, as he calls it, were successful. Uh, no undocumented experience could have initially experiments could have initially succeeded and been the source of the sightings. Um, he found the possibility of a craft of less conventional origins being the source of sightings to be downright laughable. So like he's like rolling his eyes at like it being man-made and he's like shitting his pants laughing about it. The possibility of it being a UFO. Which is okay. And, And so let's get into that. Shall we? This is us. So let's talk about the possibility that this was an early attempt at lighter than air flight that the person or persons behind it weren't ready to announce publicly yet, which I'm yes, a hundred percent here. Um, and this is where people miss shit in history just because, you know, it's not like again, DARPA, look at DARPA. Oh yeah. yeah. Fucking they're 40 years ahead of, but nobody, you know, everything's behind the curtains, kind of the same, kind of the same shit. Right. 
Um, as mentioned earlier, the Montgolfier brothers had successfully launched a higher balloon 100 years before the 96 flap. And inventors and industrialists in Europe and the U.S. had been experimenting with lighter-than-air flight for quite some time by the 1890s. In fact, Count von Zeppelin would be successful just a few years after the 96 wave on doing that exact same thing. So, obviously, we're doing it again. And you... you Put in there, Industrial Revolution, turn of the century. Why wouldn't be we be experimenting with air travel and airships in one way, shape, or form or another? Right? Why wouldn't we? We so, absolutely yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So while Bartholomew was quickly to point out several failed attempts at lighter than air flight leading up to the 96 wave to bolster his position that there was nothing in the night sky to account for the reported sightings, he did leave out several successful attempts. Um, there was Henry Giffard, who was the first to successfully fly a Serbal airship in 1852. Uh, it was just a little guy with 3.4, 3.5 horsepower steam engine that was able to fly 17 miles, screaming miles from Paris at six miles an hour. Holy shit. I'm fast uh, as fuck, boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The wind in my hair. But but he's but he made it. It still worked, right? While successful, it was a very underpowered and was pushed around by a stiff breeze, which I can imagine at six miles an hour. Right. So there's a thing. Um, and, and like a big a big limitation of the technology at the time was like, mm-hmm. uh, the inefficiency of the internal combustion and right. or steam engine. Right? right. So in order to make one powerful enough to uh to power the ship and con- and make it controllable. If there was any kind of a breeze, it would typically be too heavy to get it off the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in 1883, a pair of French brothers, Albert and Gaston Tissandier, uh, successfully flew an airship with a battery-powered electric motor, which was also too underpowered to be practical. Uh, the following year, 1884, fellow Frenchman Charles Renard uh, and Arthur C. Krebs both Inventors and officers in French Army Corps of Engineers built the La France. Shout out to John's old apartment. <laughs> um, the built the first truly flyable airship. The La France was the first ship to be able to return to its origin point in a light breeze. Wow, mm. success! Yeah. Um, and it was 165 by t- uh, feet long by 27 feet wide. Uh, it was also powered with an electric motor. Uh, but this monster power plant was an 8.5 horsepower and was able to propel the ship at a jaw-dropping 13 miles per hour in a calm sky. Holy shit, God. Um, Slow down. Yeah. Brisk walk. Uh, <laughs> the LaFrance made seven successful flights between 1884 and 85, and despite the limited range provided by its batteries, it proved that controlled flight was possible if the motor was light and powerful enough. Uh, mm. David Schwartz, a Croatian timber merchant, designed and built the first all-aluminum and true dirigible rigid airship in 1896. Yes, oh, yeah. that 1896. Oh, okay. Um, this ship was roughly the same dimensions as La France, but could lift four tons, and its Daimler motor driving four propellers could push the ship up to 15 miles per hour. Uh, the ship made a successful test flight at the Tempelhof Airfield in Berlin that year. Unfortunately, Schwartz had a weak heart and died before another more adventurous test flight could be carried out. And without him to helmet, interest in the project died out soon after. Well, that um, sucks. So in, in the airship that we just talked about, the one that Schwartz built, uh, it was the first true dirigible because it also had uh, individual ballonets in the, in the airbag so that you could better control the ballast. And if one of them ruptured, you wouldn't fall out of the sky. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So, so here is so another reason that skeptics give that coincides with technological limitations is why would the inventor of such a ship keep it secret? Hmm, right? In the Great Airship of 1897, Danilik proposes that the reason the Sacramento ship was kept secret was just good old capitalism, which, you know what, I'd say that hits the target pretty fair. Uh, He posits that the airship was funded by a wealthy San Francisco benefactor with designs on revolutionizing travel. At the time, the only way to get from coast to coast was weeks on a cross-country train or weeks sailing around South America. If you could travel by air, even at a modest 30 to 40 miles an hour, it would still be faster and possibly very luxurious. Uh, Danilik hypothesizes that this investor was testing a prototype in what would become a fleet of airships to revolutionize transcontinental travel and shipping. According to him, the ship was making the trek east to be unveiled to much fanfare in New York or Philadelphia, which would drive new investment in the Fenger. Uh, his reasoning for it being kept secret was for competitive purposes. After all, there were many experimenting uh, with flight at the time, which was, we all cover that. According to Danilik, the crash witness near Kalamazoo was the end of the prototype, and with it, the end of the venture. So, I mean, that makes complete sense to me, honestly. Yeah. Like, right. to me, this is at least as plausible a theory as yellow journalism and mass hysteria. Probably yeah. more probable than UFOs, yeah. right? Yeah, to me, for sure. Anyway. For sure. Um, especially given the history of, like, what was going on at the time where a lot of people were pushing towards this. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Uh, so the to have one succeed a little sooner than the one that... To have one almost succeed a little bit further, a little bit earlier than the one that actually did succeed long term, mm-hmm. uh, to me makes sense. Like that happens all the time. Right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Like the company I used to work for had a a thing where you could order stuff from their website via text before uh, apps were a thing. Oh, you know okay. I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. Like they're still, so, they find the workaround before it's streamlined basically. Right. Right. Yeah. so like that version of the technology didn't take off, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. Um, but a later iteration did. Uh, so kind of similar along the same lines. Well, of, uh, airships. So right? I was listening to podcasts the other day. They brought a very good point. They're like, you know, remember the whole VHS Betamax battle, like back in the, yeah. the, the only reason Betamax failed is because they wouldn't put porn on their shit. Now, if they went with porn, they probably wouldn't have been just as successful as the VHS world. But, you know. Well, it's like yeah. the high def DVD versus Blu-ray, too. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, same thing. like uh, the I think Sony owned high def DVD mm-hmm. and they wouldn't license it. Yeah. So and the people that came up with Blu-ray were like, everyone can have this. We yeah. just why, why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Why? Yeah. 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 It's the same. It's thing. like that, like trying to drive consumers to their own to their own hardware. They neglected the fact that the software was the thing that was going to make <laughs> most of their money. Sometimes right? that fails, right? So yeah, yeah. Certain computer companies, <clears throat> Apple, have nah, done I know. similar things in the past. <laughs> they absolutely um, have. So uh yeah. one of the reasons that I wanted to that I accidentally edited out while I was writing this that I wanted to cover while we were talking about the mm-hmm. uh the possibility of it being man-made is is and i alluded to it earlier was it following the rail and telegraph lines uh east right mm-hmm. um so danilek suggests in his book that uh the reason it the sightings followed the train lines was because the wealthy investor who was funding the project uh oh. had a support train running with it that had right. all the like people you would need to keep a prototype ship like that running making repairs and stuff that, right that's, so it would go that's like wild wild west bullshit right there that's crazy 150 mile 
you know, however yeah. far the train goes in a day legs right. would do that at night and catch back up with the train. And then they'd refit it, you know, fix anything that was broken, like hmm. all that kind of shit, you know, like, um, and, and to me that makes shitload of sense. Well, yeah, it's and just like also, anything else. It's that like, would be the best way to navigate. For sure. Well, and it's just like in modern day, right? There have been like prototype cars that are invented that literally they have a whole cargo trailer following them as the car does this test. It's the same thing. You know, I mean, it's just human intervention is all that is. So, yeah. Right. Oh, that's cool. And I just thought of this, too. If it were UFOs, uh, good old John Keel uh, noted through all of his mountains and mountains of research that uh, UFOs tended to follow freeways. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, so. just using and, and and honestly, like when we're bombing the shit out of another country, at least prior to GPS, mm-hmm. uh, the military used to use landmarks like freeways and shit to right, find right. the city they were looking for. To drop ordnance on and yeah. stuff, too. Yeah. So, yeah. so, that makes so sense. like, even if it were not a man-made ship with a support train, it following the rail line is kind of like, well, duh. Yeah. Like, of course yeah. it did, yeah. you know, if it was a real thing I, and not mass hysteria. You know what? And that's the thing. I think, I don't think it's, you know, now not saying that there's, so here's my assumption to summon everything up. Yes. I think there was some mass hysteria involved here, especially when we come to journalists, you talk about the telegram, you talk about how newspapers, when newspapers going to print this, other newspapers going to, you know, yeah, there's, that's there. I mean, but that's always there. You never, that's just like nowadays when we talk about uh, weird shit and ghosts and videos and, you know, it's really hard because the first thing that crosses my mind is, oh, shit, CGI. Oh, that's it's so easy nowadays with technology to fake shit. Yeah. You know, so when you look at that, I'm sure there was that there and I'm sure there was some exploitation involved. But honestly, again, back to just the bare bones of it all, two thirds of the country, different months, different dates, making a pattern, following what's going on. Knowing that other people are working on other things as well, which you've covered in here, I I say it fucking crashed. It could have been, it could have revolutionized before Wright Brothers if it would have succeeded. And I think it it really probably was a man made uh, thing that they had that they were testing. So yeah, I mean, to me, I I think because I do believe in the phenomenon and don't think that it's super far fetched to think it could be some type of UFO, ultra terrestrial, extraterrestrial, uh, yeah, fucking just the phenomenon fucking with people. Right. Right. Like I, I don't rule that out just out of, out of hand the way mm-hmm. someone like this Bartholomew guy might. Right. Um, but to me, the most plausible explanation is man made, right. uh, you know, like someone was just a little bit ahead of their time. And like the guy that wrote the book, like Dan Alex said in his book, uh, dropped a shitload of money on the venture. Mm-hmm. The prototype crashed. Mm-hmm. He lost the designer of the ship in the crash, mm-hmm. and he lost all of the fucking right. investment capital he'd sunk into it. So he just said, "All right, enough's enough." I would love to Time know to cut who. my losses. Well, and here's the thing too: not and like you brought up the UFO thing. Not to discern that. I mean, in fact, if I remember right, there's a couple books I wrote, I read where. The turn of the century UFO sightings were fucking off the rails. It, it was when we started Industrial Revolution, when, you know, the UFOs, whatever is out there, are watching us make those advancements and that small time shot, that there were tons. Of, so maybe there were a couple of UFO sightings. Maybe somebody really did see, you know, like earlier in the article here, you talk about the the warbles and the 
um, people trying to steal the guy. They couldn't get him in the craft. I, I'm not saying I'm not ruling that out, that that's not part yeah. of this. It, it could be very, very much so that that was just a one-off situation, a couple one-off things. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, and 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 at, at risk of tarnishing my impeccable credibility, <laughs> um, again, what why can't it be both? Why right, can't right, it be exactly. yep. some of the sightings were this prototype airship yeah. and some mm-hmm. of the sightings were the phenomenon being like, what the fuck are they doing over there? Let's check right. that out. Right. Right. And yeah. some of the sightings were definitely fucking made up. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, it doesn't yeah. have to be any one single thing. It can be a little bit of all. And, of it. Th- and that drives me fucking crazy when people talk about that and they try to be so specific and put something in its own lane. You know, sometimes it's just not plausible. Don't try to put it in its own lane. It's fine to know that maybe there's some. It's just like the whole Bigfoot transdimensional thing. You know, you have yeah. one, one group of people that say, no, absolutely, skin and bones. You have another group of people who say, oh, well, this is why you don't see bodies, right? Why can't it be a little bit of both? You yeah. Know? I mean, so, yeah. 100%. Why can't it be a flesh and blood creature that has transdimensional abilities? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something. Mix up, and, mix up the stuff. But, I mean, so we're talking about, Roughly 100,000 sightings, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, some of them are going to be made up. Mm-hmm. Some of them are going to be mistake misidentification. Mm-hmm. Some of them might even be someone who just has airship fever, mm-hmm. mass hysteria, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, even if that's 10%, that's what? 10,000 sightings. Yeah. And here's the thing too. I mean, let's put that real world perspective, not to get all political on this shit, but you know, there's still like 40 million Americans that believe in, or or not for There's what I read the article the other day, 17% of the public truly believes that Hillary Clinton is drinking baby's blood in the back of a pizza parlor. 17% of the public. I mean, that's fucking insane because that's who we are. As human beings, we tend to do that. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be a group of people that are going to run this area. They're going to follow the journals. They're going to follow the newspapers, and they're going to make wild accusations, and there's going to be a group of them. You know, you're always going to have that. That's not going to go away, you know, anytime soon. So, you know. Yeah. Like, to me, I I think it's a combination of all of them, but – and and I'm not going to – that's another thing you can't rule out, right, is that, like, with that many sightings – they, they are not all seeing the same thing, obviously, or they're right. not all reporting the same right. thing. Right. And like that can't come down to they're all seeing the same thing from different angles. And that's why they're reporting different objects. Like some of them are wildly different, like with flapping wings and shit. Right. Yeah. So obviously some of it's fake, but obviously some of it's some people are seeing something and it's not the same thing that other people are seeing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's like a whole, uh, a whole f- fucking fleet of airships that are competing like to be all the first over the one. Co- yeah exactly you know? like hundreds um, of them out there that, that all yeah, of, I, yeah i think the yeah. phenomenon's involved in this yeah. in, at least a little bit in some way you that, know that's interesting um, yeah huh that and uh i don't know man um there was there there is he mentioned it just in passing in the book, which is why I initially wanted to do this topic in the first place. And I can't even remember the name of this, of the town anymore, but there was an aero club in California that was super secretive and weird mm-hmm. that a lot of people attribute this to. Oh, um, interesting. And so I'm, I want to do a deep dive on that. So we'll probably come back to yeah something around this. It, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I've, I've always thought of this whole thing in airships back in the day. Like it's, you know, and even look, you know, even in like in the world war two times, Hitler was working on stuff like this. I'm like, there was all kinds of, it's just so fascinating. This snapshot in time, 
you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, like when I was reading the book, I kept being like, fuck, this makes me think of, uh, of the whole part where they're on the fucking Zeppelin and, uh, in, uh, the last crusade. Oh, the last crusade. Oh yeah. 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 And then I was like, I watched that again and I was like, fuck dude, how luxurious would it be to be in basically a cruise ship in the air? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's got a restaurant. It's got those nice little cabins. You I know, mean, and it's like, like look at some of these old fashioned trains that they retrofit and renovate, and you can take yeah. them like you know on day trips, and they got old school bars and stuff. And like that's that shit's just bad. Yeah, it'd be it'd you know? be fun to travel cross country that way. Like, yeah, yeah, it's gonna take way longer than jumping on a fucking seven three seven and taking a you know five six hour flight to New York, but it would be a much more comfortable and more fun yep. way to go yeah, for sure. If, like you know, getting there as part of the adventure. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I'm a great article. Great write up, dude. Interesting. You know, like I said, I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. This whole, you know, steampunk era, weird shit. I just love it. I absolutely love it. So awesome. Awesome. Well, um, you got anything else on your side, man? Uh, no, I'm just like interested what you, the listener think. Um, so, you know, absolutely. Uh, I guess we have like an, phone number or an email uh we do have an email tell us what you i think, think yeah. uh strange jungles at gmail.com let us know you can write us uh yeah like i said anything else uh you want us to discuss by all means um great write up great yeah give us your theories let us know what you have on your side or you can call us at 801-252-6945 we can go that route too leave a message um and we'll go from there. But, yeah, let us know. And then just real quick on my side, and Josh will cover some of the socials. Uh, we do have another write-up ready to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm already laughing because I can't. I, I just can't hold it back. It, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty fucking ridiculous. But it's going to be fun nonetheless. And so, you know, every now and again, we like going on the, the edge of the cliff, per se. So uh, stand by for that. Of course, we got news coming up, which I can't wait for because I'm, I'm catching a ton of just weird news that – um, some of it kind of blows my proverbial mind. So anyway, stand by for those things. Um, what do you got, Josh? Yeah. Um, you can also message us about this episode. Um, and we might eventually see it someday <laughs> at, uh, strange uncles podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you message us on Facebook, we will never see it. Neither of us really go there. Um, we are also at strange uncles on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel and, um, yeah, you could comment about it on apple podcasts if that's what you yeah. listen to this on um yeah. well i think we would see that i don't know i don't have any think... login for that i don't think oh so a quick little <laughs> but... quick little thing on that too so i was talking oh i forgot to tell you so um i am going solar i tell you that i didn't tell you that did i uh no we're taking the plunge I'm like, you know what? Nice. Fine. Well, yeah, we found out like there's a there's a ten thousand dollar federal rebate. There's rebates local that Avista, the electric company that we use, gives you back. You basically make these payments on it and you know, over like a, a snapshot of time where there's nothing up front. But anyway, with that being said, um I've got an inspection. So I was talking to the guy that was a sales rep, and it, of course, you know, mentioned the podcast and da-da-da and this and that, and he pulled it up and he goes, Oh wow, you guys got like four and a half stars. I had no clue what that even meant, but I guess that's good. <laughs> So there's that. Yeah, uh, rate and review us also, please. (laughs) Evidently, that's a thing. So anyway. Yeah, we we neglect the things that we should probably be focusing on if we wanted this (laughs) to be like a big show that maybe let us quit our jobs. Oh, speaking of that, we have a Patreon that you can join at patreon.com slash strange uncles. You can give (laughs) us some money to help uh, fund this endeavor. Yeah, put some Um, shekels up for us. So yeah, but no, that's that's fucking cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got on our side. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And stand by for another episode next week. We'll try to stay on the schedule. Um, stay strange, everyone. Close the gates. Okay, let me check where I think she went back to sleep. Hold on just a second. Cool. Well, she's not sleeping, but she's quiet. So um, do you want to knock out a quick oddities real quick? Uh, do you want to do that, or do you think we're not going?